I think authenticity exactly today is as valuable as ever. All right, episode one, Center Court, Coach Dakota Webb. Uh, if you guys are watching on YouTube, Facebook, appreciate you checking it out. If you're listening to the podcast, enjoy that drive, enjoy that run, whatever it is you're up to. Um, kind of like everything else I do, this is touch and feel. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Um, but I do know two things. I love interacting with people. I love basketball, right? And especially if it's good people that know what they're doing in the basketball space. So without further ado, I got Coach Darren Minders currently at Baptist Bible College. If you had to introduce yourself, if you had like to give somebody a backstory or just a, a quick summary, what would you say? Uh, probably somebody that is super passionate about basketball, super passionate about his uh, kids and players, uh, and somebody who uh, loves the game. That's awesome. Um, last year, right, or just earlier this year, you were inducted into the Missouri Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Last, right? last April. Last April. Yeah. Um, I was I was going back and kind of looking at that inductee speech, watching that over again, and your win record just always stands out to me. Like regardless of the level, like you've been coaching 26 years, you got like a 71% win record, like 530 something wins, if I remember right. Um, six Final Fours. Right. Like I don't really care where you're at. That's impressive, right? You know, and and it is but it has very little to do with me. Um, it, it has to do with me having great kids mm -hmm. um, that play hard, buy into what we say. And so, uh, you know, I, I told, I think I said at that speech, I never got into coaching to get into the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, you know, I got into it so that I could develop kids, mm -hmm. uh, touch kids' um, lives and, and, and help them be better people. And so, but, but basketball-wise, you know, I tell people the reason I'm in the Hall of Fame because uh, I'm old and I've had good players. <laughs> uh, it's like if you hang around long enough, right, <laughs> give yourself exactly. a good chance. <laughs> um, no, I, I definitely can empathize with that. I think, like, the reason I ultimately got into coaching, you know, like I, I kind of left the game with a sour taste in my mouth, um, had a solid high school career, but I sucked in college. <laughs> and so I just, I had a really bad experience and kind of had to grow up and look at myself. And I took a year off, like away from the game and missed it. You know what I mean? And I, I got to thinking about, you know, how to stay around the game, what to do. And like, I always came back to Coach Linehan, my high school coach, right? And I was very much in need of like all of the father figures I could get. And like my, my dad is amazing, right? But you know, I was adopted when I was 14, moved in with him when I was 12 with uh, my mom and dad. So, you know, we were still kind of young in our relationship and uh, my coach was like a second dad. And I think that's kind of like, anytime you got a guy like you that can kind of, you know, obviously the X's and O's are important, but there's an awful lot of people that know X's and O's. Right. And they're like, not good people. <laughs> You know, again, it, it's about relationships. Mm -hmm. It's a it's the ability to communicate. Um, you know, very few people realize. Uh, I got out of coaching for two years mm -hmm. and went into just administration, right? Uh, which is kind of the typical role you, as a coach, you get out, you move into administration, so you can make some money, mm -hmm. and. Um, literally just did not enjoy not being around the game, the kids, 
And so, um, you know, I used, I used to tell people or talk to people and, you know, that had done that and they mm -hmm. say, oh, I miss the games or I miss winning, but I didn't miss practice. Right. And, you know, I said, well, I miss being in the gym and practice. Right. I yeah. miss being, I miss being at the practices and, um, I miss the losses mm -hmm. because the losses are what makes you figure out how to get better. And so that's when I knew that no matter how much money you could make in administration, mm -hmm. uh, if you don't enjoy what you do every day, uh, then you need to go back to that. So Amen. I, I was lucky. I had my, I grew up, my dad was a high school coach when right. administration. So I, you know, I had good people to call on and, and get advice. Yeah. You mentioned um, a couple of things there that, that stand out to me. It's like enjoying the problem solving side of it. You know, I think, I think at the end of the day, like, you know, this is a game that we coach, right? And it's just fun trying to put those pieces together, trying to solve those issues. And I know like sometimes being up till one in the morning, taking notes, it can be a little tiring, like physically as a human being. But like you said, if you love it, like that stuff's just, it's easy to work hard when you love what you're doing, right? You know, and you say work mm -hmm. and people always say, find a job that you don't consider work. Exactly. And so. You know, when I get up and I'm going to the gym, uh, it's excitement and it's mm -hmm. every day is a new day. It's a chance to to develop your kids, um, you know, as you know what we're doing. But mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's a game right. and we all want to win. Um, but it's a game that can teach you how to be successful in life. Right. And you said something this morning. Um, I was at your guys practice at BBC. And you were talking about gratitude, right? And I think about that a lot. Like whenever I have that gratitude and I'm grateful for what I'm experiencing or what I'm doing, you know, it makes it so easy to dive in because like when you're grateful for the opportunity, you want to squeeze it, right? And so that's where like not only do you, do you love the work so the practices are fun because that's, you know, game day is great. Game day is what everybody sees. But I think the true mark of a coach is their practice and their preparation. You know, like if your team's not prepared, what are we really doing? You know, and I think a good ATO, a good like, you know, adjustment at halftime, like that's important, certainly, but the preparation. And like when you're grateful for what you're doing and you love it, like you said, I think that just becomes worlds easier. <laughs> right, and I think in today's society, um, teaching kids about uh, being humble, being grateful, uh, not having entitlement uh, is important. Right. And so, you know, we want kids to learn life lessons mm -hmm. when they play for us. And it's not always fun to play for us. Uh, you know, we're tough and we push them and we get on them. Um, but at the end of the day, we also love them. Right. And I think that makes it easier whenever you are tough on them, right? Right. Like having I mean, that the, rapport the, and that relationship. The, the bottom line is, is kids want discipline. Mm -hmm. I think they, they enjoy it. Uh, they don't always know that when it starts, but they don't want discipline if there's not a relationship no. and if they don't know you care. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I'm passionate about what I do. Our kids mm -hmm. know that when they mess up, I'm passionate when I get on them. Right. And when they do well, I'm passionate when I'm cheering them on. Of course. You mentioned your dad. Um, in your early coaching years, 
like what first of all what were some takeaways from your first couple of years as a as a coach at the high school level and then how how crucial was your relationship with your dad with your co- coaching career like how much did he stand out to you or help you oh my dad was you know he was my best friend and mm-hmm. so um uh, early on uh coaching my first year was his last year as a head coach uh, and we were both ranked in the uh, top 10, mm-hmm. both won districts and had a chance to be, to meet in the final four. Uh, unfortunately, we both got knocked off. Uh, but seriously, in my early years, you know, I won districts my first year. Right. And I just thought that was what you're supposed to do. I thought it was pretty easy. And I went quite a few years before the next district championship came. Really? And so, uh, again, I think you take things for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very lucky that my dad was an assistant for me and sit on the bench for seven years. Yeah. Um, we got to experience um, two Final Fours, mm-hmm. a state championship. And so, um, you know, I, I think that, again, I think it comes with life lessons. Mm-hmm. And when you win early, you think that's how it's supposed to be. Right. And then as you go through your coaching career and you meet people who have never won a district championship, mm-hmm. you know, um, throughout our run at Walnut Grove, uh, we kind of took things for granted. Right. And, you know, it started with our girls program when I was there. You know, when we won our first district championship, we had signs out leading all the way to our sectional game. Right. You know, by the end, when we won districts, there wasn't signs. That was expectation. Yeah. You know, and so... I I tell people all the time, enjoy the moment because you don't know when it's going to come again. Right. Um, that's so important too. Like, I think as an as an athlete, like when I was in high school, as you know, you know, blessed with great teammates, great coaching, and um, you know, we were 103 and 17 in those four years, two Final Fours, never won it like you guys did, came up short. But um, you know, my first coaching job even. At the high school level, I, I stepped on as a volunteer assistant out at Longmont High School in Colorado. And, you know, Coach Kloster been coaching there about 25 years, the most 20 win seasons in Colorado over that time span um, at a class four school, borderline class five. And, you know, our first year we're undefeated till the state championship and we lose in overtime. And, you know, even though that loss hurt, you know, like that's three state championships I've lost now. <laughs> um, it was still, you know, more winning. And then I saw an opportunity to quote unquote move up the ladder. And I took a um, JV coach, head assistant coach position at another class four school just up the road that had no tradition, brand new head coach and expected to be able to step in and like, you know, take that, take what I know and help us, you know, change the guard and move it up to the next level. And my goodness, was I wrong. Uh, it takes so much time. Even if you know everything you're doing, like you walk in somewhere that isn't accustomed to that. And I, I got to see it, you know, now I look back and it's a blessing because I'm like, you know, I have perspective. I see it from both ends. Like it is difficult to build something, right? And I'm sure like from your first district championship that first year to your next one, you maybe felt some of the same. Right. right. You know, you get through, you go through, and, and you've got to be lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you go into a new program, right, 
you can tell them and, and coach and all that, but if you don't have some success, mm-hmm. then then you lose some credibility. Right. Um, my first year at Morrisville, I came in mm-hmm. and took a girl's job. They were 2-22 and 22 the year before I got there. Right. And our first game, we were at Clever. Mm-hmm. And we were down one. I called timeout, brought them over, drew up a set. Uh, we ran the set perfect, got a backdoor cut for a layup, mm-hmm. made the basket, right. and beat them. If we lose that game, mm-hmm. maybe that you know Changes we ended everything. up going sixteen and ten that that year, right? Um, twenty one and six, twenty one and four the next two years. So, mm-hmm. but that one game could have changed the whole outcome right. of how we. How it could we it could have been another case of oh well here, here we, we go, go again, again. Yeah. exactly and so. Yeah. Um, and honestly, yeah. that's uh, and I hate to interrupt, but that's kind of what I dealt with out at that that job that wasn't as good is we lost eight games that year by five points or less. You know what I mean? And so, like, it's just holy cow! If you can just get the first one or two of those to go your way, it, it's a mindset. That, you know, mm-hmm. when I went to El Dorado Springs, right? They were eight and seventeen. When I went in, they said if you can go eight and seventeen, mm-hmm. it'll be a great year. And we ended up going seventeen and eight. Right. But our kids flipped the script. So our kids bought in, right. and they played so hard. And so, if if you have the ability to get kids to buy in and play hard, mm-hmm. then it gives you a chance to be successful. Of course, yeah. I mean, you can you can even the playing field in so right. many ways. And people ask how you do that. Uh, and honestly, if I knew how mm-hmm. how we got kids to play hard right we'd well write, i think we'd write a book and sell it true <laughs> you know i think every situation's a little different you know um drew hanlon always talks about that secret sauce being the relationships like you mentioned earlier and you know when we're talking about that it's from the development side but i think it does impact a little bit of what you're talking about right it's a whole lot easier to play hard when you're having some fun and you like doing what you're doing you know and i think you know, I, I've seen and I've even done them in the past, like some toughness drills, like the gauntlet mm-hmm. or this or that. And the other, and those are great once in a while, you know. But whenever you have a team that struggles with playing hard or toughness, I don't know that you can beat it into them, you know. You know, I, I, and, and it probably I depends know. on the kids, right? I don't know about drill. I mean, again, I think it comes down to a personality mm-hmm. and that's fair. And the ability, again, and you've seen it in our practices to relate right. to kids. Of course. The way the way I can relate and talk mm-hmm. to our players right. works for me. Mm-hmm. Somebody else that came in and tried to, to do what I do, yeah. it, it probably doesn't work. Right. And, and I mean, you were there this morning and mm-hmm. saw our interactions with some of our right. kids. And so uh, yeah. it's, being, it's being you, mm-hmm. being who you are, and not trying to be somebody else. Man, that rings so true in everything, though, right? <laughs> I think I had to find out, too. You know, I think often we look at really good players and expect them to be good coaches. And it's a whole other skill set, as you know. Like, you, we can definitely draw on our experiences as good players and, like, take some of those lessons we learned or the perspective and apply it. But, you know, when I played, I was an over-communicator. I was very loud. I was, like, the kid chirping on defense, the kid, you know, talking on offense, making things move. And so whenever I started coaching and I was, you know, I love this game, so I'm super passionate. 
I thought that a good coach had to be like yelling and talking every moment, right? And I think where it really flipped for me, like both on the sideline um, and especially in practices or workouts even today, is just understanding that A, I see, and this is just me personally, it's not maybe the same for everybody, but for me, A, I see the game a lot better when I calm down and I don't like get super fired up. I can have that fire in here. Right. But, I, you know, I can kind of articulate it in a more calm manner. And then B, you know, it helps that I'm only 27. Um, so I can take some of the some of the dad jokes or some of the, you know, references to pop culture and kind of relate to kids. And um, it doesn't always have to be super serious jumping down, you know. Right. And I think somebody you summed it the whole up. Time. You know, I was a good high school player. Right. And I went and played college mm -hmm. and was a very, very average college player. Fair. And, you know, in high school, I did some things because a coach, mm -hmm. coaches allowed me to get away with. Right. Because of my ability mm -hmm. and was, was not as good as I could have been because I didn't have somebody that held me to the grindstone, held me to the fire and said, I don't care how good you are, do it this mm -hmm. way. Right. And I think as a coach, I've drawn on that. Then I've, so I, I know mm -hmm. when you have a player that is slacking or does, wants to have an attitude and doesn't, because I've been there. I was that player. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I've been in college where I was an average player mm -hmm. and, you know, had to work and then sometimes didn't work as hard as I should have because I wanted to feel sorry for myself. Right. And maybe didn't buy in as much. So I have those perspectives. And then I think you summed it up when you said, you know, for me, if I stay calm, right. if I sit back. And I think every coach is different. It's different. If yeah. I sit there and do that, mm -hmm. my kids have a hard time playing hard for me. Right. Because yeah. they see me in practice mm -hmm. of how I'm going to be. Right. And so if I sit there mm -hmm. and, and I've, I've tried that, yeah. but it's not my personality. It's just being authentic, you know what right. I mean? Right. Like, you know, Coach Schaefer, mm -hmm. Rogersville, you know, oh, we've yeah. coached against each other. Right. Dadeville. Yes, sir. I, you know, yeah, my, he, my brother played for him. So, you know, Coach Schaefer sits there mm -hmm. and probably gets as mad, and he sits there and it just keeps it all in. Oh, yeah. And then he goes to the locker room and blows up. Right. Where mine, I will, like, I'll get it out mm -hmm. right then. And then we go on. Right. Uh, but and neither Coach one Schaefer is right or wrong. Right. It's Coach just, Schaefer can't coach like me. I can't. But both have had a lot of success. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you see that at all levels and in all industries, truthfully. I think, um, and I, I, I don't want to pontificate as to whether it's harder these days versus when it, you know, way back in the day. I mean, you've been coaching almost as long as I've been alive, so I have no idea. But I think, coaching is coaching. I think I think authenticity exactly today is as valuable as ever. You know, it's it's easy to be a caricature of ourselves or to kind of show the world something we want them to see. But I think as human beings, we have a an incredible ability to sniff BS from a mile <laughs> away, <laughs> um, and it's just hard for players to relate to you, right? right. And then you know, it, it probably doesn't help with. The rest of you know there's a lot of politics and coaching so i think parents and administration can tell if you're not being yourself and 
And if you're being yourself, if you're willing to, you know, die on your own sword and kind of, you know, stick to your convictions, that goes a long way. I think at the end of the day, you summed it up. And that is, you you heard us today at practice. Mm-hmm. You heard my conversation with right. kids. You're not fooling anybody. No. But here's the bottom line. As a coach, you have to have a belief and you, you have to stick to your, you know, mm-hmm. if you believe in something, is it worth losing your job over to do what – and, and it's going to happen. And coaching, right. coach, you know, it's like they say, you either been fired or you're going to be fired. Mm-hmm. If you're in coaching long enough, that's going to happen. And oh, yeah. so, um, you know, to be successful, you have to have you have to have knowledge and believe in it. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you better have a supportive wife and family. Oh, amen. Um, yeah. And and we've been there. My wife has said, you know what you do, do mm-hmm. what you do. And if they don't like it will go somewhere that wants to be successful. Right. And so, you know, if you constantly are trying to please somebody, you're going to please nobody and you're going to be in trouble in mm-hmm. the end. And uh, honestly, having a, and I know this firsthand, having a wife that's supportive of the amount of time that a good coach has to invest. You know what I mean? There's it, times where I'm home, but I'm not really home. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm watching film. Or, I tell people all the time, you know, the, a coach's wife is the toughest job. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how many times that Dana has told me, mm-hmm. go re- go out there and scout. Right. I'm like, I don't f-. She's like, if you lose this game because you didn't go watch. Get, right. And so, that's on you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> don't don't that, make it my fault. <laughs> right. And that's, that's, that's the key to success. Mm-hmm. They understand. If your wife understands, right. it, it takes time. And uh, – I don't think a lot of coaches understand that. I don't mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, their wives get upset if they're at the gym late or if they have, right. you know, and it makes it, your job harder. It's, it's yeah. not an eight to five job. No, it, it's a 24 hour, you know, you have. And even now, especially mm-hmm. now I've taken a college position, right? So now I've added 17 kids mm-hmm. that are just like my own kids that now, you know, and you say in high school, yeah, they're our team, they're your kids. They are, yeah. But they have families that they go home to every night. Now, mm-hmm. now they're you're the person, now they're young men, most of them away from home, right? And you are the person yeah. that you're in charge of all of them, and they come to you. And so, you know, my family went from four right to twenty one now. Plus, you took the athletic director job as well. Exactly. So it's just you know, there's a whole other <laughs> side of it that's just not even basketball, right? <laughs> you know. Um, Tell me about, so like running it back to the final fours and like thinking about that. I know as well as you do, you know, we can, as we talk about past experiences, we kind of almost water it down sometimes to the highlights. I want you to think, and it might take a moment, I don't know, or it might not, but think about um, your six final fours and some little memory that stands out to you that maybe you haven't talked about as much. So not necessarily like what happened during a game. It's like a pivotal moment or like the cliche things. But I'm thinking like something funny in the hallway, something on the bus, you know, like stuff that win or lose, you know, me speaking as a loser, <laughs> making it two final four is nothing to show for it. Um, you know, there's still a lot of really funny little memories that stand out to me or pivotal moments that nobody saw, you know. Well, there's a, you know, a couple. One uh, our first first final four with Walnut Grove's boys. Mm-hmm. Um, we did an interview with Jordan Burton, 
Okay. And I, I rolled in on a, a hoverboard to the interview uh, through the hallways of the, the hotel. Uh, you know, we were, we were a group that was mm-hmm. final four bus for that. Right. Um, the year we, the next year, first night we're, we're in Columbia mm-hmm. and we go out to eat at Steak and Shake. And as we are walking in, advance bus pulls up. Right. And Jaron Dishman says, let's find, he looks at their bus and says, let's find an outdoor park and settle it right now. (laughs) And I mean, we were just laughing and we went in and ate and they showed up and there was a lot of tension even though we didn't know each other but we knew we were both pretty good teams of course and and we left and ended up facing them in the state championship game and right and beating them and so um you know those are things that uh, nobody sees and, and really nobody mm-hmm. sees the, the one thing that i wish i could go back and do again and i would tell every coach to do if they get to final fours is enjoy it right and that being said i was blessed to get mm-hmm. to six of course and i said it after each one and still never really got to because you're so caught up in there's a lot of preparation th- getting ready yeah. for the game and then when you if you win mm-hmm. uh getting ready for the next and you know i was at i was at five final fours mm-hmm. or, or six final fours and and five of them, we played for the state championship. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you win, now you're worried about the next team. And so right. there really wasn't ever any time to sit back and just relax and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know some coaches that went there with the attitude, and they did enjoy it. They enjoyed the whole experiment, right. uh, the experience. And they they relaxed and mm-hmm. uh you know, again, I think how I was cut out, right. the cloth I'm cut out of, there was no relaxing. It was just like, now what do I have to do to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that you put on a front mm-hmm. to your kids. Right. Hey, we're relaxed. You know, we, we got this. Right. We're good. But, you know, they don't know that mm-hmm. I'm going into the room trying to figure out how can we keep this game close. Of course. You know, right. so. No. Yeah. Uh, but I just think that as coaches, if you sit back and you started out at the very beginning, mm-hmm. it's a game. Right. Um, and so if you are blessed to get there, mm-hmm. you know, and we tried to make it fun for our kids. We we right. had lots of activities, but but at the end of the day, did we sit back and really just soak it all in mm-hmm. or we were so focused. There's still like that looming yes. goal that's right <laughs> there. Um, you're so close to achieving it. You know, I, I remember the first Final Four I played in, um, you know, whenever we had kind of, it was the night before everything had settled down, like all of our activities that day and whatnot. And, you know, I was just in the hotel room and, um, you know, Trent Bergman was my roommate. We were always like room together. And I was just laying there, like looking at the ceiling and I was like, dang, man, like we've been literally trying to do this for seven years <laughs> and we're here. And it was just so hard to go to sleep, you know, because like you said, like, you try to have all the fun in the world, but then like the competitor in you is just like, man, I'm right here. And it, it makes it hard to enjoy sometimes. I, I wish like now, 
like you know there's vlog culture like you see a bunch of vloggers on youtube (laughs) and whatnot like i think every single school i wish we had done this which it wouldn't have been a thing at the time um but i I wish every single school would take that student manager you know that that eighth grader that's lugging water for you guys and put a put a camera in that kid's hand and just make him film the whole day the whole day and it's like you said you know we got there the first year um got to the to get to a final four you have to Mm -hmm. be good right but you have to be lucky uh the first year we got there a team that we had beat by 48 points in february had us down at halftime had us down five going into the fourth quarter of the sectional game um, our second year, so we get beat in the state championship. We come back, um, really had had just lost Dallas as, mm-hmm. as a starter and returned right. four starters and start the year off 18 and 0. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when the pressure builds. We, I felt that we get beat mm-hmm. uh, by Rogersville, our first loss, but we're playing good end of the year um, we play Hermitage in the quarterfinals mm-hmm. and we're down 10 in the first quarter right uh, tied at halftime uh, end up winning in overtime and they had a shot to beat us at the mm-hmm. buzzer of the regulation. yeah so we go from possibly not getting to the final four mm-hmm. to winning a state championship yep you know it's that it's a the, small window it, it's yeah. that that small of a mm-hmm. difference. And so, you know, the next year, um, we make, we're as good as any team in the state at the start mm-hmm. of the year. And Hunter, Hunter Gilkey breaks his finger. Right. And, and he was out for a good portion He was of out 10 games. And yeah. so we finally learned how to play without him. Mm-hmm. And, then and we back. get pretty good. And when he comes back, he, he messes everything up. We don't know how to play. <laughs> right. But by the end of the year, you know, we get to the, uh, we get to the state semifinal and we're mm-hmm. drawing a team that's undefeated. Right. Probably the best team in, in class one. Mm-hmm. Um, and beat them. Right. And then the next night we have to come back and play in the afternoon and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, did not come ready to play and, and got beat by a team that was very good, but, um, right. you know, made a big run. But it, there's such a small margin mm-hmm that if you are not ready exactly at any moment you can mm-hmm. be knocked off yep um and i think that rolls back to like if you're grateful for the situation there's no reason you're not you're not prepared to take advantage of the opportunities you know what i mean like if you if you're not grateful and you then you kind of overlook it right but even then there's some level of luck like you said well right? it's luck but i think <clears throat> I, I do i think gratitude um being humble right uh, because when you aren't if you don't appreciate it mm-hmm. if you haven't done what's necessary right you probably don't deserve and, and we've been in situations where you know we've had a lot of talent at times mm-hmm. uh, but karma karma is a is a crazy thing and sometimes right. you know some of you the things you do it'll come back to get you and so right. uh, Again, we talk about it and you talk about it. Don't take it for granted and be appreciative. Not at all. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about like being appreciative of those experiences, trying to find the joy in it. 
How do you think that applies to? I know, I know you do a lot of work with all Missouri attack. How do you think that applies to the club scene? Like if you had to check the pulse on club basketball, like what would your thoughts be as it relates to, you know, your experience as a high school coach? I think if you're with a good program, right. It's a great situation. Right. (laughs) And I think, I think the problem is sometimes high school coaches Mm -hmm. and their uh, summer programs right. don't work together. Mm. And I think there's a, <clears throat> a conflict or, or a jealousy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I always encourage, you know, of course we run attack, but I, I encourage our kids to play. I bring, ki- I bring coaches in. I bring right. skill trainers in to work with our kids because I want them to get a different, mm-hmm. different view, a different voice. But, uh, I think there's a lot of bad programs out there. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, if if your sole goal is to go to big tournaments or if they're telling you they're going to get you scholarships, mm-hmm. uh, I think the goal of summer is the same for our program. Right. The same as high school, and that is to build relationships, to play hard, to right. play the right way. And so that's how we build our program in the summer. Um, yeah, we go play in some tournaments and some big tournaments, but more than anything, mm-hmm. we want our kids to play the right way and act the right way. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, I th- for so many, like, and this could be players, parents, coaches, that scholarship turns into the North Star. I know it did for me for a little while. And, you know, we forget that, Hopefully you're here because you love basketball. You know, I, I see far too many kids that are kind of on the fence of whether or not they even want to play in the summer, but mom and dad are pushing them to it. Exactly. I see it the other way around sometimes where, like, mom and dad don't really want to facilitate it for whatever reason, and, you know, kids really want to do it, like, really badly. It's At the end of the day, it's an opportunity to get better, of course, right? But if you love playing basketball and you find some good people to play it with, like it should be a really good experience, right? And that, that is exactly – if all you care about is a scholarship, mm-hmm. save your money, yeah. put it in the bank, right? and all the money you spend for skills trainers, mm-hmm. summer programs, you can go to any college you want. Yeah. But you summed it up. If you can play with a good group of kids, right. you can build lifelong relationships, and you can have fun doing it right. and travel to different places and experience things that you wouldn't experience with your high school team. Mm-hmm then it's a great situation. Well, and like, even like, you know, I'm in player development now full time and don't coach club or high school at the moment. Every kid I train, is not going to get a scholarship. They're not all going to be a pro. I've never once tried to sell that either. You know, I think, I think at the end of the day, what we work on every single workout is conquering adversity in one way or another is being uncomfortable and eventually working through it to where we are comfortable. Right. And I think, that and then like the interpersonal skills where we have to work with others that you know i think that's the other great thing that club ball can do when done right is you have to figure out in a very short period of time how to gel as a team with a bunch of kids from all over and you know workouts are very much the same way is like can we figure out how to you know we each have our own selfish goals but can we be selfless enough to achieve them together exactly and play and you like you said Everybody comes from a different background. Mm-hmm. And if you have four kids that were the best players on their team, 
Right. They can't all four be the best on this team. So it takes some humility and work. So how can we work together to make us now the best as a group? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's fun. Again, people ask, you know, how do you, you're coaching a BBC and you're, Mm -hmm. you're run, you're still running all Missouri attack. We just added four girls teams for next year. Right. How, how do you do that? in a couple things. Number one, I have good people that work with me. Yeah, you have to delegate. So, and, and they yeah. do a great job of, of keeping. But the other thing is, it's fun. Yeah. If you love the game, it's fun. You're going yeah. and coaching. You can't imagine and, taking the whole summer off. You know, <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do all summer? Right. <laughs> um, you, sp- you mentioned BBC. You took the athletic director job in the spring, I believe. Is that correct? February. February. Okay. So late winter, early spring, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, depends on the state you're in, I suppose. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the situation you're walking into and then like the preparation you've had to do since that time? And not just as a coach, you know, you're having to kind of like set up your culture, your program, bring in new kids, all that stuff but also as an athletic director. Like, what's the goal, I guess, and how's it been so far? Well, when I took over, uh, it was in a bad situation, probably mm-hmm. worse than I even understood. Right. Uh, they had no no athletic programs at all. They had suspended their basketball program in January. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you take over and you're excited, and oh, I'll go get players and, you know. Right. And honestly, getting the players, there's lots of players out there. Um, and really the more you're involved and get out and, and recruit and talk, uh, the more players you find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get out of your inner circle right. and your little local circle. Uh, that was big for us is to recruit some local kids though, to build some excitement in, of the, in the area. Yeah. Uh, as far as the AD part, uh, probably a, a hundred times more work than what I really thought was going to be with it. Mm-hmm. Um, fundraising is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, we are ha- having to be self-supported this year. So we right. have to raise all our money right now. I think we have raised the men's basketball program has brought in about 62,000 wow. um, for this, this year. Well, like so, you said, like you're basically starting from scratch, right? right. Um, but it's exciting because right. I can go out uh, you know, next year we're adding women's volleyball, mm-hmm. women's basketball, men's soccer, and men and women's golf. That's awesome. Um, That's a lot of sports. <laughs> so I have the ability now to go hire coaches right. that are bought into the same dream mm-hmm. and vision that that I have. Right. Um, that we're going to go out and get, get recruits in mm-hmm. so we can watch our athletic program grow. Mm-hmm. We can watch the college grow. Of course. We can watch... Um, the budget grow because mm-hmm. we're we're generating more more money. So right, uh, I'm I'm really excited where we're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there'll be growing pains as we go. Right. But uh, again, I think the key you bring in good people that are on the same page as you mm-hmm. and give them the ability to run their program. Good things will happen. Of course. And then, you know, how, how's the preseason gone so far? I know you guys just. Just finished your first week of official practice, right? Right. Um, how, how's it going with the new kids and like kind of establishing your culture, so to speak? Uh, it, awesome. I mean, really, mm-hmm. these kids, and, and we brought in kids we talked about today from different backgrounds, different areas, and 
they are figuring out how to become a, a team, how to become a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our our mindset is getting there. They understand how we're going to play and, and right. the style, and so it's exciting. It's it's we preseason from the middle of August. Mm-hmm. Um, we started on Monday with official practice and. Uh, you know, when you're in preseason, everybody gets to play, and you can come in the next day, and you're still going to be on a team to go up and down. Right. Uh, once you get to practice, things are a little different. And mm-hmm. but the the positive thing, or the best thing about it, is they're all cheering each other on. That's they're awesome. all about each other. And so um, now we preach that constantly because it mm-hmm. doesn't just happen. Yeah. yeah. Like you get what you emphasize. Right. Yeah. And so we talk about daily. When you become more concerned about the guy next to you mm-hmm. than you do about yourself, right? That's when we will be successful. Mm-hmm. If you can give more value than you take, at exactly. The end of the day, right. Um, I can't wait to watch you guys this year. It's been it's been kind of fun watching you, you know, start the start the program like with your career in February and kind of the new era and. Um, staying connected with you as you've been doing that. Like, I know there's a lot of work I don't even know about. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been cool seeing the kids this preseason and what you guys have been doing. Um, I know, like, there's definitely going to be growing pains, but, you know, I'm looking forward to watching you guys this year. I think it'll I mean, be good. We're excited. And, and, and all that you've done for us, for Attack at Walnut mm-hmm. Grove helping us, right. um, BBC, you know, when you see our schedule, mm-hmm. um, we're looking through the schedule today when you were in there working them out. Right. Coach Mercer's like, what level are they? We're trying to see at what point are we going to get a win before Christmas. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. as you know, money's you got to really challenge so, yourselves early. So yeah. we've got Division twos, We've mm-hmm. got big NAIAs on the program. And so uh, it's tough. Right. But I think in the long run, mm-hmm. where we're trying to get – all those things are going to make us better. And it you, would be tempting to make the early easy. Right. I know, I know that I definitely know there's coaches that would be tempted to do that. And we've talked to people that are in our level that mm-hmm. are like, are you seriously playing your first two games back to back against two NAIA national qualifiers? I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's going to make us better. And right. you've, you've seen our kids. You saw us at the beginning, um, where where they came in mm-hmm. and where they're at six oh, weeks they, later. They've already grown. Yeah. It, it's and there's kids they're gonna make mistakes mm-hmm. and we learn and grow and and we we come back the next day and get better. I think that's what it's about, right? Well, coach, I'm gonna leave you to it. I appreciate having you on. Um, thank you for the time. And like I said, first episode. So hey. um, as you know, hey, the good thing about starting <laughs> with me is 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 you can. There's only way one way to go, and that's up. I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate it, coach. <laughs> What up, podcast? Sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you guys liked what you heard, please hit subscribe. We'll check in again at Center Court next week.